Hi, I'm Diane. I'm Corey. And this is They Call It Church, a podcast about what we call church, what they call church, what God calls church, and everything in between. So Diane, where do you live? I live in my house. Yes, yes, yes. But the country we live in is... Oh, yes. The United States of America. Yes, the United States of America. And did you ever notice that the first word of that is united? Well, we are homeschool family. So yeah, we have actually studied in depth uh, the, the whole United States of America and what a big deal that actually is. Yes. And I think that's something that's very important, like for our very country, that the states are united and unity is a topic. And for our country, it just means we're one country. Like we have states that are a little different, but we're all right. one country. We have some similar purposes and goals that we stand firm on. Yes, exactly. And this idea of unity is really important to the body of Christ as well. It really is. And that just so happens <laughs> to be our topic for today, unity. Um, but we're also going to be introducing a couple of new segments. Uh, one of the segments that we're going to introduce in the beginning of our show is called Say What? Say What? And tell us what that's going to be, Corey. So the Say What segment is about um, us defining some terms for you guys to give better context for what we're talking about. So if you've ever seen The Princess Bride, or even if you haven't seen it, you're probably familiar with that quote. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> and a lot of times uh, we might use terms or people in church circles use terms. Yes. And it's not super clear what they're talking about. And when I say, for example, if I say the word pie, you might think of blueberry pie. And someone else might be thinking of 3.14. Right. Mathematicians out there. Absolutely. Um, and this kind and, of. Just... And you sometimes we say those, we use those words and we think everyone has our definition of them and they're, they have a completely different picture in their mind. Yeah. So, in the hopes of clarifying it to some extent so that you understand what we are trying to communicate. Yes, we have our definition segment. And yeah. today, in our discussion about unity, one of the words that uh, we are going to be using is Christ. Yes. And we want to give some context of how we define Christ. Yes. Especially in regards to unity. Yes. So sometimes when I say Christ and in the phrase seeking Christ, you might think I'm going to read my Bible. Yes. Or seeking Christ might be I'm going to listen to teaching about this. Or I'm saved. I'm in Christ. I'm saved. It's my salvation. Yes. And when we talk about Jesus Christ, we're actually talking about, or seeking Christ, we're actually talking about the person, yeah. Jesus Christ, as member of the Trinity that dwells in unity, complete unity and complete oneness with Father and Holy Spirit. Right. So when we use that term, we're talking about a relationship with a real living person. Yes. Yes. So hopefully that gives you some context as we get into talking about Unity and where we find unity. Okay, so unity in the past, uh, how would you say that you thought about unity in the past? Or I could share a little bit about, um, I know in the past when I thought about unity, I did sort of think of salvation. Like that's what unified us was this universal truth that if you've accepted Christ, you're going to heaven and therefore we're unified. And there's a little, I mean, there's definitely an element of truth in that. Christ in me and Christ in you, there's unity there. Um, what were some ideas that you had about unity in regards to church? You know, I remember one of the very, very first church services I ever went to 
it was on unity in the body of Christ. And the whole topic was about how the church, which was, I think, a Baptist church, Mm -hmm. was partnering with the Catholic church next door to put on a community outreach. And that was their unity. That was why they were so good at unity. They were unified in Christ, even though this was a different church of a different denomination, Catholic nonetheless. Um, They were working together to do community outreach together. And that's unity. So sharing a common purpose or goal. And we would call that unity. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if we have differences of opinions or ideas or understandings of scripture, we have this common goal and therefore we're unified. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. And one of the other things I really saw a lot of was... um, the way that we have denominal, denominationalized Christianity in our culture, um, you get churches that believe the same theology because they're being taught by the same leader or they have the same, you know, board of whatever behind it. And they all believe the same. And they say, well, that's unity because we all think alike. The only problem is the unity that's in Christ has to transfer between different denominations because so it can't mean sameness. It can't mean thinking alike or agreeing on theology, right? Yeah, a unity has to be bigger than agreeing about the same thing. And I think unity is even bigger than agreeing to disagree. Oh, yeah. And that was kind of the experience I had. Like, well, they can do what they want, but they'll just do it over there. Right. And we'll do our, our the way that we see it, and we'll do it over here. And it's okay if we disagree about musical instruments in the church service and the people that don't agree can do it over there. Yes. And we can still have unity and not have a relationship. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, one of the things that we did experience uh, when we gathered with a group of people and you're kind of just, you know, trying to figure out a new understanding of your church, really what, what church is and all of those things, all of that, that was part of the process. uh, We recognized some key blocks and I really felt like I got revelation from the Lord on how to actually have unity in your group. And he gave me this picture of everybody coming into this gathering with all this baggage. And one person has, you know, their Louis Vuitton, you know, suitcases and everything matches and it's fabulous. And they were, let's say they went to, you know, Moody Bible Institute and they have a degree in something. And I mean, they got the class act theology coming in. You know what I mean? And that's their baggage. And that's their baggage, (laughs) you know? Uh, And they think it's great. Like, they paid a lot of money for this baggage. This is, like, top of the line. They were under the best scholars. And, I mean, they have a degree on the wall that proves that they know what they're talking about. Okay, great. The only problem is you have this other group of people or this other family that comes in, and they've got backpacks on. And they got all the outdoor gear and they've got their camping equipment. And like that is their understanding of who Christ is and their understanding of the church. And their luggage from what they've learned in the course of their lifetime walking with Christ looks really different than the Louis Vuitton baggage. And we come together and we think our baggage is like, it's like our definition of who we are or something, you know, part of our identity. Yeah, it does. And it definitely becomes part of our identity in Christ in so much as sometimes we are willing to divide with our brothers and sisters over what our baggage looks like. Uh, So I don't know if that makes sense, but that was kind of the picture that he gave me. And he, uh, as I talked to Jesus about this said, are you willing to leave your baggage outside and come to me together to find truth? Are you willing to let go of everything you think you know and everything you've been taught by wonderful people 
and just hit the delete button and find me together with a group of people. So that was <laughs> that was yeah. the word he gave me on that. And I feel like it's pretty powerful. I agree. It's a big deal. And I've heard teachings, which I find very sad, like it grieves me to think about it, where they just say, you know what, it's fine. Like we have these people over here that are academic and they like to study and Bible study and theology and they like to sit inside and look, have their nose in books and do that. And then there's these people over here that they like to go out on the streets and they want to be active and they want to go out and do that. And, you know, they can just each be themselves and be alone and be apart from each other. Right. And we're not going to try to force them to be like one another. Right. And because I think that our culture has gotten to the point that we realize like not everybody's the same, one body, many different parts, many different roles, but they, they do that without valuing the relationship between them. They don't at the cost of relationship, at the cost of relationship, the relationship is the priority. Yes. Relationship with Jesus, relationship with the body. And then our own personalities, preferences, giftings, callings, they all fit into that. They all fit into healthy relationships. Right. As opposed to what we really have witnessed is my theology is the most important thing about me. And one of the pictures Jesus recently gave me was I was looking in uh, John 3 and studying the passage on Nicodemus and felt like he really opened up this understanding that Nicodemus approaching Jesus at night was giving Jesus access to his theology. I mean, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He grew up with the law. I mean, talk about the Louis Vuitton baggage. Like, this guy, he had it, you know? And yet, he recognized something in Christ that made him think, hmm, maybe this baggage isn't everything it needs to be. And he was willing to go to Jesus and allowed him access. And Jesus's response to him was very interesting was, you know, if I, I'm talking to you about earthly things and you can't receive them, how can I talk to you about heavenly things? So he was so bound by the things that he understood about religion. Yes. That Jesus had a hard time even talking to him about kingdom things. Yes. So I feel like that loosing of that baggage is something that really you need to be open to for Jesus to even, you know, be able to share these things with you. And we all have it. I think that sometimes, um, I know myself in the past, I looked at people that were like more legalistic than me and more religious to me. And I'm like, well, I'm not one of the women with the long skirt and a head covering. Right. Therefore, I'm not legalistic. Right. But it is deeper than we even realize. Like the traditional church structure structure is steeped in a lot of legalism, a lot of baggage. Yes. Um, and Jesus is still revealing to me. things that I didn't realize that I thought were normal, but they're not. And particularly when you're with a group of people, and this can happen in a house church too. Like you can just get so wrapped up in your little group's understanding of things that you are not able to connect with the greater body of Christ, you know, outside of that. And uh, one of the things that, I don't know, I really got a picture for the wholeness of the body of Christ and, you know, Jesus and Father and Holy Spirit being like this beautiful diamond with all these facets. And and we get focused on one little facet of God. And we say, oh, God is holy. And we build this whole church structure around God is holy. And it's not that it's wrong. It's just that it's one small facet of a million faceted diamond, you know? And then you have this other group coming in and being like, no, God is merciful. No, he's holy. No, he's, well, no, he's both. Yes. And you're both right. But if you could just back up a little bit and see the bigger picture, 
you wouldn't be feeling like you needed to defend your understanding of God, but you would welcome other people's understanding because together, I think they paint a much more accurate picture of who God is. Absolutely. And I think um, at this point, we really have to address fear because what stops people from coming together? What stops people from listening and accepting other viewpoints? And that's fear. If I um, am on focused on God's holiness, I might think if they start talking about God's mercy, everyone's just going to sin and you get scared of yourself falling into sin or your children falling into sin. And so you're worried about, you know, the message of God's mercy because you don't want sin to infiltrate your lives. Right. Or you don't want to lose your perspective on holiness. Like, you know, so you're protective over well, I can believe he's merciful, but not at the cost cost of his holiness. Yeah. And so you you know someone's sharing something, and then you feel like you have to defend. Yes, but yes, but instead of being like, wow, that's so true. Yes, yes God is fully merciful. He's a hundred percent merciful. And that comes in like with the insecurity. Yeah. People are insecure about their viewpoints, and they need a lot of validation. Yeah. And they're seeking for people to agree with them versus being confident. Yes, God is holy. Yes, right. he is holy. I'm confident in that. And I'm also confident in hearing the message of his mercy. Yeah. And I know we've talked in the past about emotions. And I, I do think fear, like any time your response to someone, if you can like, if you can just like take a moment to think about how you're feeling and if there's any fear in it, it's it's not coming from God. I mean, I'm not talking about fear of the Lord, you know, being the beginning of wisdom. I feel like that's more of an awe thing. I'm talking about actual fear. Like, this person is making me feel uncomfortable and afraid of, you know what I mean? Like, if there's any of that in there, and because and, then it comes next as a desire to control and shut yes. down. And, like, oh, if they say that, that's going to lead to yes. all this destruction. Right. Definitely. Yeah. That's just like a big flag to me, like a little light on the dashboard, like engine needs work. So I have a question for you. Before you mentioned this idea of giving Jesus access to your theology. Yeah. What does that look like personally for you to do that? Well, for me personally, it means that I'm always willing to re-examine with the Lord. I, I think about like, you know, this is an Old Testament picture, but um, Abraham going up the mountain with Isaac and he's going to sacrifice his son. And if he wasn't open to God giving him a new uh, direction, I mean, his he would have killed his son, you know, but God said stop. And so even in that ability to like hear a very clear and distinct word from God, set your path to obedience but then allowing God that interruption. I mean, that saved Isaac's life and it built yeah. the, you know. And so I feel like that's with theology, like your understanding of anything, you, no matter how powerful it was, no matter how sure you were that you heard from God, because Abraham heard from God, but then he ended up not doing what God told him to do because God had a new word. So that idea of just always being able to go back to God, to have him build on your understanding. And it's not that you're going to, you probably won't discover that your understanding was totally wrong, especially if you got it straight from the Lord, but that it was not complete. And really, even after all of our time, it's like, I just don't feel like, I don't even know if it'll be complete in heaven. I feel like we'll continually be learning and, you know, but uh, that's what I mean by that. It's that willingness to always go back to God. And it plays out in the body with 
you know, meeting new people and getting to know them and being open to their thoughts and ideas and understandings about God without it triggering fear, because you're willing, you're willing to let Jesus correct your theology. Like, please, you know, correct my theology. <laughs> like, Right. If I'm wrong, tell me. Yeah. Yeah. I think about the fact that when I, you know, 10 years ago, what I was so sure about yes. is very different than what I was so sure about five years ago, which yes. is even different than what I'm very sure about now, although yes. I hold it a little bit looser now. Yeah, exactly. Open palms, you know? Right. Yeah. And sadly, I mean, even like 10 years ago, like I would, I would not maintain certain friendships because of different beliefs or Christians. Like that's just sad. That's not going to happen in heaven. So if the goal is heaven, you know, done in heaven and on earth as it is in heaven, you know, that's not living up to that model by any means. So one thing that I notice is that in a traditional church model, when you have one or a couple people teaching and lecturing every single week, if they have a viewpoint that's different, that's very isolating. And I'm going to be honest, like I'm not interested in listening to listen listening to someone lecturing me about that I'm wrong about something for 45 minutes every single week. Or even if you're sitting there and you think that person is right about everything, you're getting one person's weekly understanding of something they've studied. It's just, well, it isn't really the picture in in scripture of what the church is supposed to look like. It's not very multifaceted. And even if you have one or two elders that teach, I mean, overall, they get filtered pretty Pretty sadly, like, make sure you have the same theology, you know, like, it's... Right. So in the traditional church model, I actually understand why you want to go to a church with people that agree with you and think like you. Oh, yeah, totally. It's when you get rid of that institution that you come up uh, around each other, and if Diane thinks X and I think Y... Well, that's just a small and part. It's really of, seven, right? <laughs> right. That's a really tiny part of our relationship. Yeah. We have so much other stuff to talk about, and even if X and Y comes up from time to time, even if we haven't totally resolved our differences, we we we're not focused on it because yeah. there's more balance. Yeah, and just I think once you had said a while ago, you know, Christ in me literally cannot be divided from Christ in you. So if there's anything that's causing division, it isn't Jesus. That's good. And so if we are willing to seek him together, he will bring us to a place of unity. Yes. So that's that's something that I kind of keep in mind with all relationships is, you know, they may be wrong, but I may be wrong. Right. And we're probably both wrong. And most of the time <laughs> when I've sought the Lord with a group, he, he gives you something, like I said, you totally know, different. Seven. Like I thought, hey, you thought me, it's seven. Right. <laughs> you know. That's good. Yeah. So we also have some ideas for you to share. Yeah, and that brings us to our closing segment, which is going to be called The Community Leak. So why did I call it The Community Leak? That's kind of weird. Um, Well, it's this idea that one of the things we've been really passionate about, and we also haven't found a lot of information on outside of what we've come up really on our own, like just in seeking the Lord together, uh, is ways to build unity and oneness in the body of Christ. And so instead of like doing an episode on it and giving you, you know, 50 ideas to institute in your uh, gatherings, uh, we just want to let them leak out. Little drip here, a little drip there, give you a chance to play around with some of the tools that God's given us. Uh, some of them help you with unity. Some of them just help with relationship and, and relationship can create safety to actually be authentic and, you know, trust one another enough to actually see Christ together. So uh, today's community leak 
I have a really cool idea to share with you that can help build unity. Um, and so the idea of this is when you start seeking Christ on matters that aren't heated, on matters that aren't that nobody really holds close to their heart, yeah. it can build trust and build communication so that when it comes to something that everyone's a little bit more passionate about, you have tools in place to hear from God and come to a place of unity with each other. And uh, d- we can probably do a whole episode on just hearing from God and trusting that. Uh, I know I mentioned that Harold Everly book about you know, needing some foundational beliefs about your nature being good and that you can kind of trust mm-hmm. the things that he gives you. Christ but is that's in sort you. Of, yeah. Holy Spirit dwells another, within it's you. It's another topic, but it's definitely related if we're going it to be seeking Christ together. So anyway, what was your idea? on? So uh, in some way, come up with a noun that everybody knows. So you can write down a list of nouns and pick them out of a hat, or you can, if you're facilitating a group, one person can just come up with a, a, a word and it can be something like airplane or football, or the color white, yeah, or sweatshirts, or whatever it is. Um, and then you instruct the group to write down every single thing that they know about, that they think about this now. So airplanes, I might say, I love airplanes. Airplanes take me on vacation. Airplanes have wings. The invention was really cool. And... Airplanes are exciting, and I hate taking road trips, but I love flying in airplanes. And right. So you just do this for a couple minutes. As you people... could kind of, like, dry erase board it or something, like, do two columns. Yeah. Put, have everybody share out right. loud. So they or could... you could do it privately. Yeah, either way, depending on your group and mm-hmm. how they work. And then after you've done that, everybody takes what they've written, and they erase it or rip it up, and they throw it away. Yeah, put a big X over it. Yep, get rid of that. And then... Instruct everyone to ask Jesus what he thinks about airplanes and what he wants you to know about airplanes. And you might need a minute or two of silence. um, But I just want to suggest first thought that pops in your head that you feel like wasn't already what you said, like anything that feels a little different or, you know, just go with it. Like it doesn't really matter. Um, as far as like weighing, like, oh, that was Jesus or that wasn't like, just go with it. Right. That's right. That's wrong. That's not really yeah, the yeah. point. No. The point is that Jesus uh, is going to bring to mind different thoughts that yes. we might not have even considered before and will give us maybe a different appreciation. Right. I did this with a group about football. Um, I'm not a fan of football. I don't like watching football. And so I'm writing all of this anti-football stuff. And then, you know, God says football's fun. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And just that word gave, gave me a new appreciation for why people enjoy it, yeah. why they like watching it. Yeah. And, and, it's, so, and then being willing, like, okay, well, now I have my opinion of football, but now I have God's opinion. Like, wh- which one am I going to operate my life out of? Yeah. So it's good. That's kind of what it means to give access, right? Like, yeah. Take in and, and then you still get a choice. You get a choice to, no, I still think it's stupid. (laughs) I don't have to like watch football every Sunday now, but I'm not offended if other people turn on the TV to to watch it. Exactly. All right. Well, we look forward to meeting up again and having another wonderful discussion about all things related to church. God bless you guys. (laughs) 